Welcome to Beyond the Field, a property and finance series powered by Money Empire. The content you're about to hear is designed to educate and inspire you to tick off your property and finance goals. And when we say beyond the field, we mean your field, whatever that may be. Money Empire is an experienced financial advisory firm with over 10 years experience. We deal in this world day in, day out and want to give you, the loyal listener, exclusive access to behind the scenes of the property and finance industry. We've helped thousands of clients with their financial journeys, everything from first home buyers right through to managing clients with extensive property portfolios from New Zealand and abroad. Each week, BTF includes special guest episodes. We chat with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, sports stars, and the stories of everyday people. Now it is your turn to take back control of your future. So kick back and absorb. My name's Kane Wallstrom. I'm Eason Asiwa. Today, we have guests, Blake Cooper and Jesse Bird. How are we, boys? Yeah, very well, thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, good. Cool. These guys are NZ Builders, so um, founders and owners of uh, NZ Builders. How long have you guys been um, together for? Uh, we've been together probably two and a half years now. Jesse founded the business back in 2015, and yep. then I was over in the UK at that time, doing my own thing over there, and then met Jesse chance meeting at a pub happened to know his older brother yep. um, and that was our first connection and then I had a few contract jobs that we worked together uh, on and we just gelled really well so it just made sense to come together and join forces really cool appreciate your time I know uh, construction and property at the moment is going absolutely gangbusters it so is. Um, we're here with an early job Isa I'll chuck it over to you quickly right lads uh, to keep things nice and light um, if you had an unlimited budget to drive the length of New Zealand in any car possible, what car would you choose? That's a good question. Uh, You know, I am a ute man myself. I I, I often say this, that if I had all the money in the world, I'd probably still just drive a ute. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I'm a more of a bit of luxury. (laughs) (laughs) I might go for the old Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Um, any holiday destination in the world, if you could jump on a plane today without thinking about COVID, where would you go? Uh, Maldives for me, crystal blue water. Going from experience, I did an all-inclusive a long time ago in Cancun. It was, the, it was, like, <laughs> it was like heaven on earth. I wouldn't mind going back there, no kids and just adults only. It would be brilliant. Cool. Um, if you could have one superpower out of being able to fly at one kilometre an hour or sprint at 100 kilometres an hour, what would it be? Oh. Fly. Fly for You're me. You're going to have to fly. Yeah. Eh? Go for the views. Yeah, last name's Bird, so I've got to get up there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to chuck one in there. One story or two story home? I would go one story, eh, for me? Yeah. Bigger footprint, one story, yeah. yeah. I hate vacuuming stairs. Nice. And lastly, just to keep it nice and light, are you a good cook? If so, what's, so, what's your best dish? Oh, best dish. I'm not the best cook, but uh, <laughs> go something nice and easy. Uh, oh, actually, grilled, grilled salmon, eh? Don't mind grilled salmon yeah. with grilled veg. Yeah, no, I do definitely rate myself as a bit of a, bit of a uh, culinary expert. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it would be rack of lamb, I reckon. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Bit of seasoning on that. Yeah. Um, 
Guys, let's get into obviously your upbringing, early years. One of you take it away. Tell us a bit about your childhood. Oh, shore boy through and through on the North Shore, Auckland. Yep. So um, the Harbour Bridge is not your uh, not your friend. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Work brings us over here, but yeah, no. Nah, grew up on there. Went to school up at Kingsway up in Oriwa there, and um, yeah, just did my time. So you've seen a lot of change in Oriwa then. Yeah, massive, massive. I was at school watching the fields get ploughed by the diggers and then next year I was building them. Wow. So, yeah, it was an eye-opener. Yeah, definitely. And you, Blake? Yeah, sure, boy, as well. Uh, I originally started, was born in Dunedin, moved up with the folks when I was about nine or ten years old and yeah. uh, went to school in Albany at Christen School. So you're Hollanders fan? Yeah, I am, to be honest. I'm not a huge... I don't watch a lot of rugby. Okay. But, uh, yeah, do watch the Highlanders. I'm yeah. more of a glory watcher. Watch the ABs and uh, <laughs> come, comes, to the, comes to the World Cup, I become an expert. But then I sort of <laughs> take a step back. Um, yeah, and then did all my apprenticeship on the shore and everything like that as well. So, okay. yeah, most and of my time over there. Any superstitions or habits from you boys? What's something quirky? Is there is there a builder's quirk that, that goes on? Like, you know, before you start a job or every day before you put on the tool belt or, or something like that? Oh, I wish there was. I wish there was something uh, exciting that I could tell you, but uh, <laughs> I'd probably be making it up, to be fair. I'm sure some people have some quirks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, nothing nothing too too interesting to report on there, I suppose. I think one of my biggest habits is I have to have a coffee when I get to work. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that's mine. Otherwise, my day just goes downhill. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. Actually, coffee in the morning. You need to have that. Um, any study throughout school before getting into getting on the tools? Did you did you do any study? Not personally myself. I went straight into a uh, building apprenticeship. Um, I've done a bit of stuff uh, after that over in the UK with um, construction management uh, courses and diplomas. Um, but yeah, no, nothing, nothing, nothing. Uh, after school anyway and you were the same GC weren't you straight yeah, into yeah, it yeah just straight into it that was that's the way I learned you know so yeah, yeah, yeah cool. hands on yeah I did my time and have you seen with obviously you guys having the company have you seen the apprenticeship change a bit in terms of the model or or the governing body what happens there has it changed a lot yeah constantly constantly developing yeah um a bit more user friendly because we don't we're not uh, academics generally uh builders yeah um, so yeah, they're definitely making that more practical based now yeah. from when I did my time. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's changed changed a bit. Like uh, they used to have more of an hours scheme. More, yeah. Now it's more focused on the bookwork and getting the bookwork through. Yeah. Uh, so people have the opportunity to do it a lot quicker if they can. Okay. Uh, but they still need sign off. Uh, and that comes from us. you guys, that, like that comes from us, the guys, qualified guys, or the or the guys that are taking them through their apprenticeship. So yeah. I mean, if they're competent, they can finish it quite quickly. But I would say around that sort of. Th- Three and a half to four year mark would, in my opinion, is how much time you need to get to the point where you're sort of competent on your own. Still a lot to learn at that point. Yeah. But, uh, some guys are putting them through two, two and a half years, you know, which... Yeah. Mm. And there's a lot of encouragement from the government now to get into a trade, right? Because we have a lack of skilled resources there. Yeah, just a recent uh, thing they've just brought in is, is a, like an incentive, a subsidy as such. It yeah. subsidises us as employers and yeah. then also them as students essentially yeah. Yeah. Um, buy free fees and, yeah. and that for the first two years yeah. and Interesting. then compensates us Talk to us Blake firstly your first job so um, obviously out of school apprenticeship yep. first job Yep. so my first job was in Parnell I, uh, nice $10 million <laughs> home first up 
Yeah, so it was for a, a, a girlfriend of mine at school. Her fa- uh, father took me on uh, as an apprentice. I was probably just shy of 17 when I started mine. Uh, went in there first day and I'd been working on film sets just sweeping up around there in my school holidays and I was earning about 25 bucks an hour as a 16 year old thinking that uh, work was pretty cool so <laughs> I decided to leave leave, leave school and uh, get into the workforce and back then it was uh, you didn't have internet banking as such so you'd have to um, go to the ATM check, yep. your, <laughs> check, check how much you earned that week and I had been earning about 1200 bucks because a week thinking that's what you get yeah Went there for my first week's pay, and I think I had 265 bucks after a <laughs> week at nine, nine bucks an hour. So I got a good, you know, a good understanding of uh, what the real world's actually like when you're starting out in training. And so. then from that first job, uh, did you do stints overseas? Did you say? Yeah, so I've uh, finished my apprenticeship, yep. uh, which I'd recommend anyone wanting to go overseas because that uh, set a real good groundwork for getting a good job over there and yep. spend a good. What was going to be a couple of years in London turned into seven years. So you were uh, building in London? Yeah, so I was uh, what doing... What was the winter like? It's not... Oh, it's, you get used to it, right? Okay. You dress better and it's actually... They've got central heating and all that stuff over there. just set up for it, so yeah. it's, it's not too bad. Um, but uh, definitely a lot colder, especially coming from Auckland. Yeah. Uh, we're used to more balmy temperatures here than over there. And did uh, you have a job locked up going over or...? No, just, so no. just got over there... Um, there's lots of there's lots of expat communities over there, so you sort of just put your feelers out, and everyone knows someone, and uh, ended up getting a job with one company, and then met another guy, and went to them, and that's where I ended up staying for the rest of the time, and that was really cool doing some super high end stuff over there. Yeah. Um, so that was a really good experience, and would recommend it to anyone that wants to go over there. Mm. Any Sunday sessions at the Redback? Yeah, there were a couple. <laughs> Actually, the Redback was gone when I got there, mm-hmm. but that's, I, is that where Leinster players end up? <laughs> But yeah, it was a walkabout and Shea Boo was the, uh, was the was where the sessions were happening. <laughs> um, Jesse, obviously uh, straight out, straight into apprenticeship at school. First job for you? Yeah, first job for me was obviously straight into building. But uh, yeah, just a, your normal kit set home. I, you know, just general building. Yep. I guess, yeah, just learn it hands on, know nothing. Working for an external just company, a, yeah, or just a local residential yep. builder up on the coast, there up on, yep. you know, from Pro Coast, and yeah, okay, just went from there. Obviously, bottom of the food chain, and work your way up. And and, and obviously, sort of your mentor or the person you fall under could have a big influence on your experience as a young person coming through. Is that you know prevalent today? Huge, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely believe so. You've had a bad experience, haven't you, or a good one? Oh, I think they're all good in the end. They're all experienced. I had a tough first boss who was, uh, you know, really tough on me. But also, when you see young guys coming through now, you actually realise as more experience that that's what you need to uh, get you into shape. And it's, it's learning to work that first year of your apprenticeship more than actually any building skills. Yeah. Uh, coming out of school, uh, you just you don't know how to work. You're not strong. All those sorts of things. So that's the transition period, and then they can start picking up some skills. But yeah. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I've had pretty good bosses in my time, I would have thought. And then, so, Jesse, being the original founder, how long did you work for someone until you thought, okay, cool, well, I can actually go on my own and, and do this? Not long enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You think you know everything, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, nah. so it was five years. I did uh, my time for two, two different residential companies, yep. and then I just thought, oh, well, here we go, we'll give it a crack, and... Um, yeah, learn you learn the hard way very fast, but it's good. I think it's that's that's the way 
you grow and you yeah. you know you get better for what you can do. Yeah. Um, so you were mid twenties, early twenties in this stage. Yeah, yeah. I was was I twenty one. Oh wow. Twenty. Yeah, just oh twenty two. Twenty one going on twenty two. Just yeah. freshly married. Thought, oh yeah, here we go. I'm the yeah. big man. But yeah. yeah, you're a small fish in a big pond, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and tell first job that you took on as an owner. Um, <clears throat> luckily enough, I had some. Uh, my in-laws were like, here, build this big pole shed for us, and we'll get into right. it. And so that was that was. You need that yeah. that first job, and then it was just you're always just doing work for family and friends, and then yeah. eventually you get the one that's got nothing to do with anyone you know, and you're all excited, and yeah. Yeah. you know, and then yeah, you go from there. And then tell us the story of you two meeting along the way. Yes, yeah, so, I uh, met at a pub in, at the Merchant down in Albany. Oh, nice. Chance, yeah. yeah okay. Just a chance meeting, but I actually know uh, Jesse's brother, Simon. I've, I've kicked around him for years as okay. growing up. Yeah. Uh, never met Jesse before that, and that was just our initial connection. And yeah. then, yeah, from there, just had that mutual connection as being builders. And I had just come back from the UK pretty recently, and I was tossing up whether starting my own business and all that sort of stuff. And I had a couple of small contracts for, for friends of mine yep. that I couldn't personally do myself because I was working full-time elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, so Jesse filled that void, and mm. we just worked really well together. And it just made sense. You sort of, the two of us going, you end up putting margin on top of margin and all that sort of stuff. And it, yep. it, we wanted to be competitive and actually get some work, so... Cool. Yeah, made sense. sense yeah. yeah, really complement each other. You know, mm, different yeah. aspects. He's obviously had that commercial aspect as well, which yep. I hadn't had. And yeah, it's mm. a, it's a matter made in heaven. Some would say. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, okay. Look at the, look okay. at the glisten in the eyes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, tell us then. Let's elaborate. Tell us about NZ Builders. Why? Um, what would make you unique uh, or or, um, or different in the market to for people? Well, I wouldn't say we'd necessarily differ. I think it's just the passion that we've got for for what we want, what we deliver, and what we want to deliver. Yep. Um, we really are a turnkey service. We'll do anything for you. Basically, we'll move your furniture into your house if that's what you want. Yep. Um, we just like to make the management's a big thing. That's my pa- passion on it. I'm not not on the tools anymore. I, I get a kick out of a, a job running really smoothly. So yep. that's that's where I go, and that's sort of what I want to offer—a full managed service that you can. You don't have all those heartaches of you know things running over and uh, yep. subcontractors not turning up. And we've sort of built a really good team of subcontractors around us, yep. um, and yeah, really happy with what we can deliver and. To, to someone that doesn't really know a lot about building, you sort of can come to us and we'll deal with the whole thing. Because that's where you can get let down on the on the on the face of it, right? Is where the subbies uh, are under you and not turning up on time or finishing jobs, and it looks bad on on your representation. Yeah, that's right. That's mm. right. So that's super important to us, and we we come down really hard on that. So yeah. we sort of have our expectations and expect our offsets as far as our subcontractors to to, yeah. to meet those as well as well as our our direct labour as well yeah and so we've got a good thing going at the moment great subs and yeah really happy with who we're sitting with that so jesse tell us about obviously the team and it's in and it's whole so obviously you're more so on the project management side blake um and, and just you're more on the tools yeah, eh? so blake runs the I, I would say the front of house he meets the clients he uh it's because of his good yeah, looks isn't yeah, well, it yeah, and then prices the job, programs, because he's just a wizard at programming. Yeah. And then mm. I handle your day-to-day, the boys on site. And if it's a major project that needs more supervision, I will base myself there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just just keeping an eye on everything, because obviously I'm always on the tools or, or yeah. thereabouts. I've got more 
skin in that game. So yeah, yeah. on-site quality control. Yeah, quality. Sort of stuff, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just making sure that that day-to-day clients yeah. happy, boys are happy. Yeah, jobs running smoothly, subbies are there. Yeah, etc. Okay. So how many staff you guys got under you guys in the team? Got ten at the moment. Wow. Um, but option to grow really there's plenty I think every single build will be saying the same thing there's just so much out there at the moment yeah. a lot of small renovation stuff coming online with yeah. obviously people not being able to travel uh, a lot of Kiwis moving back home Kent uh, you were at my house <laughs> yeah exactly right um, so people have you know they're spending a lot more time at home and they're looking around and seeing what they don't like and what they can do with their money so yeah. a lot of that stuff's coming online which is great um and then also some big stuff, low interest rates, right? So people were keen to spend it and make, yeah. take advantage of that. Can I just chuck it out there? How do you guys come up with the name? Because I'm guessing there's a lot of builders out there that would want your guys' building name and yeah. the company name. Yeah, just really just lucked in. Mm. Like, uh, just one guy originally had had it a few years ago and liquidated. Yeah. But um, so I had it established 2015. And then after that period of trading, I, I purchased mm. the other one once his name was clear. And yeah, I just lucked in on, really chased it. Mate, sit on that domain. You can yeah. sell that yeah. for a hundred yeah. grand. You know. Yeah. yeah. Well, we actually had to buy it off some uh, cheeky tick that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so someone's already someone's already capitalised yeah, on it that. Was, it wasn't the hundred bucks on GoDaddy, <laughs> yeah, was no, it? No, no, it wasn't. No. No. Um, okay. So, getting more into obviously uh, the building side and your day to day stuff. Um, if for our listeners, what sort of renovations that you guys see people do add more value to a house? And so what, what we, and this is probably what we see a lot, where people come to us for finance and they might be wanting to do something to their house to then obviously on sell it. And we always hear, oh, if I spend 100 grand, I'm going to make 200 out of it. Yeah. And we know a lot of the time that doesn't happen because the market can dictate. But what sort of renos to a house, if you're looking at doing some basic stuff, they actually really do add value. Yeah, I think on the real basic end, I'd say like adding like your bath, you know, like your people are looking for family homes, stuff like that. So that's like your low end, like basic. Let's add something, you might get a few extra quid. But yeah. then if you go into making another bedroom, something like that, yeah, that's really gonna start upping it. And yeah. then if you want to go spend a hundred grand or something, uh, indoor, outdoor flow, yeah. you know, open living, maybe adding outdoor living areas, yeah. etc. It's yeah. just about capturing space yeah. inside your home yeah. you know okay so if you saw a uh, if you rocked up to a three beddy one bath home and the the owner was like look we want to add an extra bathroom to this to make it three bed two bed you're like yeah. okay a three bath three bed two bath you're like right okay this is going to add some value here. yeah for sure yeah, yeah I think so especially ch- putting it en suites into master bedrooms and stuff yeah. like that you just it's all about the end user right the more comfortable you can make it uh, for them the more they're going to be prepared to pay so yeah um, and obviously a lick of paint and all those sorts of things that make things look a lot tidier if you're going just for a quick a quick freshen up. Yeah. Uh, it's all going to help. And in this current climate that we're sitting in, what are you guys seeing people approaching you for to do? Because I'm guessing there's, are you getting a lot of renovation stuff going on with a lot of, with the lockdown, people spending time at home and pulling apart their house going, man, I need to change this because this has really annoyed me. Yeah, heaps of kitchen uh, kitchens, heaps yeah. of bathroom renos, yeah. um, and then obviously the bigger scale stuff uh, with extensions and alterations and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on the smaller scale, you get a lot of that coming through, yeah. um, which is good, and um, yeah. What about um, for the mums and dads out there that own full section and uh, have 
have consent to cut it up and, and develop on that. Are you guys seeing any of that going on? I mean, there is a lot of that going on. Yeah. Uh, we, we've not got, I mean, we've got a few contacts through developers, so yeah. it's not not sort of your mums and dads sort of stuff. You're okay. talking more town now, like groups of townhouses and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. But there is heaps of that yeah. uh, coming online. Um which is good, and then if you, I mean, if you're cutting up a site, I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's there for the taking, really. Yeah. If you can find a, if you can find a good site, it's a bit tough market for a buyer at the moment. If you're trying to get into the market now, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, seeing it's just going crazy out there. Yeah. Um, but there's still plenty of opportunity, from what I can tell. Because my thoughts are um, with what's going on is that, geez, if you have a full section, they're going to become so rare in 20 years' time. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You know? So, like, your value add is just holding on to that. Um, yeah, exactly. and having something or commodity that other people don't have. That, yeah. Well, that's right. Land banking is perfect. I mean, the land is where the money is, isn't it? Really, mm. like the house is is a minor to the land. So if you can find a nice plot that is subdividable, yeah, and you can't afford to do it now because it's not a cheap experience doing that. Yeah, sit on it and wait yeah. until you can. And yeah. there, you know, there's the opportunities there when you can afford it. And what are the trends at the moment in terms of housing? So, like, if you're building a new house, what is the trend or the look that uh, you guys are seeing that's quite common? Yeah, I think. Uh, Do you see been, patterns and as you go through years or cycles? Definitely, yeah. definitely. Like, so you've gone through the you know, the matte black tap pattern at the moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Recently, yeah. So yeah. Now we're now we're probably coming into that sort of the bronzy uh, uh, gold taps, I suppose. Now, yep. so you sort of, it all ends up in bathroom wear, and, the, and then that sort of sets your uh, yeah sets your colour palette. Through, yeah. the, through the house but they're all right into boho at the moment yeah. uh, my wife's a perfect uh, example of that you need that you guys this. need those hats you yeah, know yeah, as you're building yeah, them yeah exactly yeah. Um, but yeah I mean the trends come and go don't they it's like anything so timber floors timber floors yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's though. true yeah. Yeah. What about exterior material on the actual homes? What are, what are people going with these days? Yeah, a lot of vertical yeah. rather than the horizontal. And you're vertical. talking about vertical panels, aren't you? Yeah, that's yeah. right. We've so come across that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot, that's the modern look that's going at the yeah. moment. And then you're getting sort of, you know, you you got your cedars and your, your larch and stuff coming through people with bigger, bigger budgets. Yeah. Um, but there's also great products out there in pine that can give you that look. And then obviously multiple cladding types on. Yeah on a building which has been around for a while but yeah uh, lots of options out there what about and this is really filled soaring pools are, are people oh. is that becoming a thing of the past or people digging into nah, them now that's booming eh? yeah, yeah? Like, unbelievable yeah. yeah yeah the amount that's going in is just crazy eh? yeah i mean we don't do soaring pools directly ourselves but yeah. like i mean we have a lot of uh, in our network you see a lot of stuff coming up you know concrete pools going in all over the place and, and landscaping I guess that's just that extra money people have and now they're stuck at home and not going overseas and all that sort of stuff it makes sense to improve where, you, where you've got to stay exactly that we had so many people sort of inquire um, after having a landscaper on around pools mm. after lockdown because people were like well if we're going to be stuck in our house for a while yeah. um, even in the future or whatever it may be a swimming pool is going to be gold mm. yeah that's right Pools just yell cost to me. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not cheap, but there are cheap options. You yeah. know, it all depends on what you want to achieve. You know, if you want to if you want to build yourself a mini Fiji in the back of your yard, it's obviously yeah. going to cost mm. a bit of money. But you can also get something that uh, does exactly the same thing. Still, you can still jump in it and cool yourself off. Yeah. But you know, it's a fiberglass option or whatever it might be, and just a drop in container yeah. door. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into some, uh, I suppose, questions that we've had put forward to us. Um, most common delays on a build project. What's the most common thing that you come yeah. across or you have? So that would be like year-long lead time 
items, you know, your joinery, thing, like maybe bespoke things that you have to pre-order or, or vice versa. And then I guess your, your number one uh, thing would be mismanagement. Yeah. That always costs time, eh? Yeah. So that's where you want to really get a professional. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't stress that enough. Yeah, just to add to that, probably... Um client selections if you're picking tiles or whatever it might be I mean it's really good to have some sort of procurement schedule yeah. right at the front end so you know your long lead time items if you're if the client's picking tile selections or something like that sometimes they've got 10 to 12 week lead times you know so yeah. you want to know when you need those on site uh, and make sure that they're all ordered uh, before yeah. then because that's the sort of stuff that just brings a project to a standstill uh, are most consumers wanting fixed price contracts these days it's a it's a mix right yeah. uh, I mean cost plus the cost plus plus model is uh, you're getting it is it costs what it costs and you know the fixed margin so it's sort of the fairest way to do it I suppose but people don't like the risk of that overrunning and costing more money and then you end up it, it can overrun so that with the fixed price it's not saying that that is what it's going to cost because it obviously can potentially be variations involved and you just want if you're going a fixed price contract you really want to get a good scope of works from yeah. your builder yeah. uh, so you know exactly what's included and excluded out of that yeah um, but we do mostly fixed price. Yeah. Uh, for Does us. it make your job easier as a fixed price contract? It's, or? it's less paperwork because yes. I mean payment claims. Um, it's more of just a percentage thing on each task. So you'll yeah. be pricing it as task by task, and you might at your first payment claim you might be twenty five percent here, fifty percent here. So it just it's just nice and clear cut. Um, and then the variations are clear clear cut as well because yeah. you're just going through and. This is this is what you want. It's extra. This is how much it's going to cost. It's all approved before, so people have the option to say no before it's, the money's already been spent. Yeah. So I, I think it's the safest option. Um, yeah. Okay. Most common. Um, moving on from that, the most common overruns on a bill. What, what's the most common thing that you? Adding to scope, I'd say. You know, everyone everyone's got that expectation that well, we give you the expectation of hey, look, we're going to be finished in March or December or whenever it will be, and then you add. Uh, a few extra things in there and we don't consider that you know yeah. people don't consider that time that that adds or potentially finding you know you're like a bit of rot or a bit of something and oh yeah. look we've got to do that you know yeah. those are your things and i guess if you don't do those long lead times yeah items at the starters that's when you're going to get those overruns so when you guys have come up with a plan and, and you all agree on it it's literally if you add something and it can be something really small it can add a lot of time and money to it right it can be, but if you're managing it properly, that time's put in there with the variation of yeah. whatever the scope yeah. of work is. So you might say, we've got, you've added a deck, for example, that's going to be five days yeah. delay time or five days extra time yeah. on what our original contract uh, program was. Okay. Um, another question here is, how much should I expect to pay per square metre um, to build a home in Auckland? So that I varies, mean, right? It varies, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so how long's it, how long's a piece of string? But I mean, a fair figure would say would be on a flat site for just your basic home. You're sort of looking around that two four to two eight mark. Yeah. Um, but there's so earthworks, that, obviously, if there's a lot of earthworks in there, that's where big cost comes in, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you're if you're not on a flat site, yeah, you're building outside three six zero four, which is the building code. Yeah. Um, you pay more consultant fees, and obviously, yeah. mm-hmm. it gets the, the square meter rates get get bigger. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you haven't obtained consents and you're working backwards, what what to do for people? Yeah. So, funnily enough, I'm actually doing one of those right now. So, uh, the process basically is you need to get your well, you need to go through a dur- durability uh, application form, which is 
an AC2122. Oh, my so, God. I hope you, I, I That's hope a you, tattoo on your arm. Yeah, I hope you write that down. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, really, what will, that will basically trigger an inspection. They'll come and inspect your property. They'll want to get as much of the information you have on that property, original yep. plans from the property file generally that you can order off the council. Uh, and that could be a really easy process or it can be really difficult. It all depends on uh, how things have been done yep. originally. Okay. Um, processing, obviously, if they're engaging with someone like um, you guys, um, the process of looking to get renovations completed, what would be, what is your process if a, if a new client comes to you um, and they want to do the scope? Yeah, so generally we'll get set a, uh, sent a set of drawings or if that's not done uh, done yet, we'll go and meet the client. Uh, we'll run through. We've got a, a bunch of architects that we use regularly. Uh, so we might tee up a meeting with one of one of them. They'll give you a fee proposal and take you through generally like a concept design process. And then if you're happy with that, they'll usually stage their payments as well. So it yep. gives you an option to just do the first part, yep. get, your, get your mind going of what you want to do and what you want to achieve. Um, and then they'll do a developed design on that and then a working drawings for us. But we can, at that developed design stage, once you've locked in floor plans and all that sort of stuff, we can sort of give you an estimate of what we think and then working drawings we can fix a price from there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's contracts yeah. and starting the work, scheduling the work on site. And, and personally, um, obviously, Blake came around uh, last week to our house, so I, I know the process and it is very smooth, easy, um, and time efficient where in the past I've had other people come around and it's been sort of really wishy-washy so probably from my point of view it was really clear and precise knowing what the process was or happening here because if I was a builder then obviously I wouldn't need to engage with you guys so I've got no idea on that side um, which was really good for me. Yeah well that's the thing it's really daunting for like for us we've, we've lived and breathed building for the last 10 years so it seems really obvious to us but it's, it's really not it's, and, it, and it's a massive investment for people generally doing renovations uh, mm. so quite scary quite daunting so it's it's nice to have that all laid out yeah. uh, and give them a bit of comfort of what's what's to come and yeah early on and I think what you guys did too like I found is you provided a good guide because you know if you're going to spend money on something you, you don't want to um, be spending money where you don't need to either and you guys sort of knowing the scope of what the client wants to do, um, you can sort of pinpoint that, you know what I mean? Rather than sort of just, oh, big, here's the big idea, but then here's the cost, you know? Yeah, and I really think that uh, giving a budget to your builder uh, up front, just a rough budget, it saves the hassle of uh, going away, pricing it, and then overpricing the scope that you actually want yeah. uh, and coming back with a figure that you can't afford or you yeah. don't want to, you're not prepared to pay anyway. So yeah. having that upfront budget uh, is good because it just saves a lot of the back and forth, really. Yeah. Um, new building exemptions, so uh, sleep outs, um, sheds, and verandas. Yeah. Yeah, so they've just come in, I think, 31st of August this yeah. year. Um, yes, yeah, so that's 30 square metre sleep out. So that, you can't go putting a bathroom and stuff in that because that obviously adds to the public yep. system. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, without consent. But on that, the you have to have an LBP yep. do the work or supervise. Or that can be like a architect or builder. Yep. Um, you can build it yourself if you really want to. Yeah. Um, and then you've got your four, uh, 40 square metre carport yep same thing same rules re- apply and if you just go to i think it's uh what is it uh, building.gov.nz yep there's a lot more information there for you there's a few other uh little things in there as well that are exempt okay. too so have a look at that did you do you guys personally find that as a positive implementation 
by council and government to, to do that? Oh, I could, you could probably swing both sides, really, couldn't yeah. you? Because as a neighbour of someone, potentially someone puts a 30-square-metre thing that's looking over my fence, I wouldn't be that happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But as a builder, uh, it might, you know, it's quite good for work. Uh, for smaller builders especially as well, you know, there's there's a lot of work there and plus people like to have space and it's, a, it's an expensive process yeah. going through council. You know, you've got to, if you've got to get a building consent, you've got to pay a consultant, an architect or someone or a draft person to get signed off by an LPP, yeah. LBP to uh, do the works in the building consent process. You're looking like seven grand before yeah. you even touch anything, you know, and yeah. for a 30 square metre uh, sleep out... Yeah. That that's can a lot deter of money, people. You know? well, it would have put so many people off. Yeah, in the that's past, right. And then all of a sudden, this comes out, and people are thinking, "Hey, do we not let's move forward with this yeah. now?" Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I think it's really good for that, but it, it depends what what side of the fence you're on. Whether it's, yeah. whether you're building it on your fence or you're on the other side where someone else is building it. Here's quite a common question we we get asked all the time: um, property investors. What if you if you personally were looking to purchase a, a rental property right now? What's something that you would be looking for? And I'm talking probably more so around the build or the, or the workmanship or the material, whatever it is, um, in in that purchase. Yeah, so I mean, with the purchase, it's always location, as you know. Yep. That would come first. That just is, is everything over over it. You got it. Uh, but for the build, I suppose you'd want to be getting under the house, having a look. I mean, if you're, if you're buying the house as a rental or something, you just want to make sure that it's had good maintenance over the years. It's not going to cost you a lot of money uh, going forward. Yeah. Good roof. Um all the stuff that keeps the weather out, basically. Yeah. Um, Don't go near any monolithic cladding or any of that type of not stuff. Not unless you are, are prepared. Yeah. I mean, there's opportunity in those as well. If yeah. You, you if, need to if, know what you're doing. If eh? you do a feasibility on it before you, before you go, you know how much it's going to cost to do the reclad. There's there's option there because you're buying for land value, right? Yeah. So if you can add enough value to the house, and it's not it's not a terrible option, but yeah. obviously it's got its own risks involved there. Yeah. yeah. A lot of builders are doing them because they can soak those risks up more than a private client base. Any stories on a real bad weather Tottenham house you've seen or come across before? Uh, not for us. I mean, they're all the same, really. Uh, yeah. you, you, if, if they're too bad, you just have to bowl them. Like, yeah. There's no point in uh, keeping them. You know that pretty early on um, just by doing an initial house inspection. You know, the mm. house is basically falling down. Yeah. Um, but most of them, they're, they're all pretty manageable. It's yeah. just um, you do a lot of reframing. Yeah. I think yeah, being prepared, eh? being yeah. prepared and for generally that. that would be a provisional sum or you know tagged out timber yeah. replacement be tagged out because there's no way of knowing until you actually open it up. So mm. that's all at, at your own risk, really. How okay. much? How much is going to be? What would be your guys some of your top tips around um, if your a client's looking to build? What would be some of the things you would tell them from the outset? Yeah, good builder. Yeah, that's the main thing, and yeah. I mean, check your references on the builder, and you could run through. I mean, you really don't. That really sets the whole project up. If you get a bad builder, the whole thing's going up. And I would say, if if you can get them to fully manage, don't take too much scope out of them. Especially like, for example, like a bathroom. If someone wants their tiler to do it, or it, it often causes causes problems, or they want to tile their own house. It's if you want to get it through quickly, but obviously, budget usually comes to the top of that list. Um, but yeah, I just say good builder is key yeah. to getting a project done well um just on builders and building in general sort of how long does it uh take to learn the trade and how do you get into it um generally that three and a half four years um there's multiple ways of getting into it like you can approach your uh you know your bcito or your i think they do it at uni tech and stuff mm. um or 
the guy you know. But I think for a keen young fella, rock up to a building site and go, I'm going to give my time now for free, see how I go. Yeah. And uh, then generally, you'll, if you're keen enough, you'll get picked up, you know, if you're on to it. Yeah, and it's all attitude based, you know, like you're not going to know anything at the start, like you're just going to be prepared to work and you've got to be positive on site. That's that's the main thing. Once you've once you're locked in there, the skill the skill will come, you know. What does it mean to be a New Zealand certified or master builder? So to be a master builder, we're master builders personally, but the certified builders is very similar. Uh, it pretty much means you're backed by a, a trusted brand in New Zealand. You've been vetted by them, so they've gone through all your references to do with finance. So they've got references for bank, merchants, um, all sorts, just to make sure that financially that everyone's happy, you're not late on payments and all that sort of thing. They've also gone back to previous clients uh, to ensure that your workmanship's good there, the way you've managed the project's good. Um, yeah, so it just it's just a, a way to, that you know uh, that you've got a good builder. Credibility. It's credibility. I know yeah. from a lending point of view, you know, lending institutions don't really want to touch people if they're not, you know, credible or registered master builders or certified because, you know, if they're taking on a security, they want to know that the value that they're going to be left with is is obviously um, at no risk to them. That's right. And I mean, being part of master builders or certified builders, they offer uh, like 10-year guarantees. Yep. So for a fee, you've got your master build guarantee and that just covers all the building work that's been done. Even if the master builder does a bad job, um, then you're covered by the insurance policy. Yep. Yeah. Mm. I guess I see this in the media all the time, but why is there such a shortage of tradies in New Zealand? Um. I think it was a big push a few years back uh, for going to uni and, and doing that and there was a subsidy in regards to that. But I think going forward, we're going to see a shift. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've brought in the subsidy to back the trades and, and that now. And maybe in five to ten years, we're going to see a, a huge influx of uh, good quality New Zealand builders, I'd say. Yeah, I hope so. Because, uh, I mean, that's the hardest thing is for us. Uh, there's plenty of work out there. It's yeah. just getting the good guys... Mm-hmm. To do it, and it's just because guys haven't been trained uh, to do it. There's people coming through, but there's definitely a shortage, and we feel that all the time. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I've got a good mate that spent four years to train to be an accountant, and then he went into his first job earning forty-two grand a year, and he just gave up to be a builder and start again. And, and another player that sort of wanted to, you know, spend his whole life on a farm, and then he just wanted to get into the trade, so he got into electrician and his loving life. So there's definitely been a, a been a mental shift, that's for sure, to get back into the trades. Yeah, it's a lifestyle thing as well, eh? Like once you're a builder, uh, it's like riding a bike, you know, like. A, you learn that skill you can go do your renovations on your own house and build your own decks and all that sort of stuff going to work each day it's nice it's a good environment you know there's a good level of banter and all of that you're working outside the radio's going it's it's not what I it's not a it's not a sort of the same as an office you yeah. know where it's a little bit more corporate and everyone's yeah. got to be a bit more PC and all of that stuff it's it's, yeah. it's, it's a it's a good environment to be in if yeah. you're into that of course I've got a question for you lads out of the other tradies who are the most annoying to work with <laughs> yeah, this is uh, an interesting one, but I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it down to a trade. I'd more put it down to personality yeah, types on site. Uh, there's always difficult people in any sense, I suppose, uh, but a lot of good ones as well. Um, what is you know for a young guy coming in? Also, you know, straight out of school, um, what should he expect from you guys? Yeah, well, come straight to school. Uh, 
really a hard start to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard work because you come out of school, you, you're not. It's 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 hard to go do nine hours when you've been doing six sitting in a desk, you know. Yeah. Mm. So it's going to be hard, uh, but also a lot of support there. Uh, the boys bringing these guys through. Um, but yeah, I would say it's, it's it's a difficult start, but stick in there, yeah. Yeah. and it, and it and it gets good, you know. It's just it's it's your way to like manhood almost, isn't it? Yeah, you, know, you got to go it, through the cauldron. Yeah, yeah, um, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. and that sledgehammer. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. If I could tell, tell you from my own experience, my first six months, I'd come home, uh, still living at home at the time. My mum would ask me how my day was, and I'd be holding back the tears. <laughs> <laughs> Um, tell me guys have, are you guys seeing a shift in females getting into trades because we've got a couple of clients on our box that are um, female um, sparkies in that so yeah, yeah same yeah are you guys female seeing a sparkies. shift in that space yeah I mean it's, it's not a huge shift I suppose it's all circumstantial and who, who you're using mm. like with that we use the same contractors for most of our jobs so we've got a couple of female painters and um, a female sparky that, yeah. every now and then but uh, still still very male dominated yeah. industry but it's definitely from what you can see through the BCITO following the BCITO on social media there's a lot of females coming through which is great it's awesome eh yeah um, give us to round things off give us your best sort of elevator pitch and I know it's not your boy style but as to why um, someone should use NZ Builders and you guys yeah well it's, we've just bring the passion yeah. passion to the building we're, we're into it we've got uh, big ambitions for ourselves, and to get to those ambitions, we need to deliver. So that's what we're focused on for uh, our clients. Uh, also, we want you to feel fully comfortable with a build. We know uh, the pressure and uh, that you've got financially, and, and the investment that you're putting into it. And we we really appreciate uh, the opportunity to yeah. to manage that for you. So, yeah, that's that's really what we want to push is a fully managed project. You don't have to worry about the quality is going to be good, and you can sleep each night and. Cool. Not yeah. out. To add to that, just we don't drop our quality depending yeah. on the scale of the job. Yeah. Like that's mm. that's we got to just deliver every time. Mm. That's good. Yeah, that's good. So where if people are trying to find um, you guys, where can they find you online or social media or? Yes, you can find us on Instagram uh, and Facebook, obviously. Yep. Um, hooks they call them. Yep. I think uh, nz nz underscore builder okay. uh, I don't actually know our Facebook one uh, but <laughs> otherwise builders. Builders, yeah. Yeah, builders. <laughs> and website website, website? just www.nzbuilders.co.nz so nice and easy okay and the easiest way for people to reach out to you is through the website or just give you a call through no? the website or just the easiest way is just give us a call our numbers are on the website so yeah. feel <clears> it's my number feel free to call me I'm happy to help wherever I can cool well on behalf of me Lisa um, Blake and Jesse uh, awesome to have you guys on I know your time's um, poor at the moment with what's going on in the construction industry but uh, really appreciate some um, I suppose advice for our, uh, our listeners and your guys journey to and where you are today and I think young guys doing what you're doing is, is fantastic so um, to anyone out there I would highly recommend uh, people getting in touch with you guys thanks very much thank you for having us cool cool cheers we hope you enjoyed today's episode for more information on this episode and hundreds more you can visit us at beyond the field podcast on all social platforms don't forget to hit that subscribe button now it's your turn to take control and build your empire beyond your field